0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Tache, here on Bally Sports. A fun episode headed your way with a couple of different guests. First, our main featured guest for this episode is Mike Cunio. He's the sports anchor and reporter over at CBS here in Miami. He's also sometimes on your screen for CBS Sports HQ. But mostly, he's a Miami native who went to Christopher Columbus High School before going to FSU and ending up right back down here in South Florida where he began his career as a producer and worked his way on air. I'm excited to be able to talk to him about his journey a bit. And our second guest is Coach Tony Fiorentino. You guys, of course, know him for his years as the color commentator on your Heat basketball games. But of course, he's involved in the community with the Junior Heat camps. He was also an assistant coach coach with the Miami Heat from the very beginning. He is a Heat lifer through and through and he's back for some more analysis this week on this year's team and to share some stories from the past. And I think we're going to start involving Tony Fiorentino a little bit more often to bring him in to share some of those stories. So I'm really excited to have him involved here with Miami mic up sharing some stories as as a new featured segment. And I guess we'll workshop some names on that going forward. But Anyway, here we go. So first, it's a conversation with Mike Cugno of CBS4, then Coach Tony Fiorentino. Enjoy this episode of Miami mic Up. I'm very excited to have Mike Cugno here on this episode of Miami mic Up. To kick things off, Mike, what is something outside of the workplace that has brought you joy recently?
1: Um, definitely getting married, if I didn't say that uh, and our honeymoon, I think that would, uh, put me in the doghouse forever. So getting mm-hmm. married, having, uh, you know, all my friends and family come from out of town, out of the country, uh, to Miami for kind of one night and a big, big bash was awesome. And then, uh, we also got a, a dog, uh, rowdy, uh, Oh man, you're doing back. everything at once. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're excited about him too. He's a little American bulldog mixed puppy. So, um, so yeah, the, the family is growing.
0: All right. We have to see that puppy on both Instagram and Twitter more often than, uh, than he's been posted unless I've just been missing it. Maybe he's been posted a lot and I've just been missing it, but I, I need to see that dog immediately.
1: I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw one up on, on IG later. today.
0: All right. Perfect. Th- thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, Mike, you are, as I mentioned before for everybody during the intro, you're a Miami guy. Uh, you went to Columbus, then you went up to FSU and came back down here to work as a sports producer initially. Um, you did what we're often told is impossible, which is you worked your way on to being on air um, at a local news station while starting as a producer. And I want to get into your path in a second. But what initially sparked your interest in journalism to begin with?
1: But it was more so an interest in sports. I don't know if you can hear Rowdy barking right Yeah, now, there we go. It's perfect. Make I apologize, it a cameo. I apologize for that. It was more of an, in- an interest in sports in general. And um, I think... Just playing everything. Didn't I? Didn't I? Never honed in on one sport. Like as a kid, I kind of did everything, and just kind of fell in love with sports athletics. And then watching Sports Center, just the you know, just the whip around of everything. Seeing the NHL, NBA, NFL all in one place, and I just wanted to do that because it looked mm. like people were having fun at work. And little did you know, do you know that there's like back then that there's so much work that goes into <laughs> right, it. right. But, but at the end of the day like you come home from a long day and it may have been a long day, but you were like, Oh man, now I was, I was covering the big three today. You know, mm-hmm. I was, you know, at dolphins practice today. It's a, uh, you know, you can, it can be stressful sometimes, but you know, it's, it's a pretty good gig if you can get it. So that's just kind of where it all started.
0: You know, it's funny. You, you just reminded me of of a story from my own childhood where I remember uh, being at American heritage day camp as a kid uh, and these counselors who now looking back, were like probably 15 year old kids. Uh, we're just on a rainy day trying to ask us trivia. And they asked us to just name Sports center anchors. And I, as like an eight year old stood up, was like Stuart Scott and Linda Cohn and Steve Levy. And I just was <laughs> yeah. such a dork, right? Just naming all these people. But that's what it is. You find this, you're watching and you're like, how can I get to do that?
1: You know, it's funny too. is like we do like like people are like, oh, you ever starstruck by athletes and stuff? i are never starstruck by athletes. It's always the sports center anchor or someone you've been watching your whole life, like the play-by-play guy. Those are the ones where you're like, oh, look, look who's over there! You know, right? Like, yeah, that's so- the one who gets me now. Yeah,
0: completely. I I totally agree with you. It's funny that the. Some of the the sports um, stardom element of everything sort of starts to wear off at some point. But those are the people that I'm still every single time that you're walking around and you see like a big broadcaster. It almost. Yeah, it gets me more than even the athletes at this point, which is so funny. Um, I I know for me, when I started down here, sort of similarly to you as a sports producer, the the sort of sentiment was, hey, you're going to have to go somewhere else to get back here. Um, so what influenced your choice ultimately to stay and sort of make the bet on yourself of, Hey, I'm a producer here, but I believe I can work my way to being on camera, to being the guy reporting the news.
1: So I had people tell me like, you, you know, you should go away and, and hone it and all and do all that stuff. Um, I, I just think it would just happen a little backwards when I was at college. I think I was just having a little bit too much fun, not really doing like the, Broadcasting classes I should have been doing. Sure. I mean, when I was an intern, I got to WTVJ, and I didn't know what a V.O. was or S.O.T. was. And for those who don't know, that's literally highlights and sound bites. Like I didn't know those, those abbreviations. So, like, I was very the green as green can get in that sense. And I don't know. I just I was just afforded opportunities. Um, I worked really hard at producing. Like I'd come home and edit highlights together like after my shift. Cause I was just like, Oh, it was just doing stuff. So, so I was working on that craft and I was like, well then I want to take the next step and, and, you know, be a reporter, be an anchor, do all that stuff. And so literally was doing things on my days off, um, before shifts, after shifts, having to con, uh, photographers to go out with me on stories. Um, and then slowly but surely, you know, you would do a couple of stories like, okay, you you know, you get feedback, do this better, do this a little bit better. I wouldn't do this, take this out, and eventually, I did a story. Um, I believe my first story was uh, Larry Bluestein. A bunch of high school kids down here did a, a fundraiser for him, um, and so I went out there and shot that story, put it together, shot the story after my shift, stayed at the office, put it together next morning I woke up, I said, Hey, I did this story. It's a cool, like community piece. And I'm like, yeah, we'll run that. And so that's how I kind really? of like just, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was literally just, just a grind for like two and a half years out of college and then, I uh, just got an opportunity at CBS 4 um, back in 2014, 2013. I've been there ever since. And it's still been a grind because the thing about going to like a smaller market, and this isn't to disparage them, it's just when you're younger, you kind of get the bumps out of the way, the, the miscues on during live shots out of the way. I had to do all that here in Miami. So, right, right. so that's that's stressful and nerve wracking uh, in and of itself. And it probably wasn't even until probably like two or three years ago that I started to feel as comfortable as I do now doing it. So, yeah, it's, it's a long road.
0: Well, that's obviously like why everyone says, hey, you know, go somewhere else to, to get those lumps out of the way. But the idea that it was, all right, I'm going to work extra behind the scenes to hone in on this craft and learn from the people in front of me. So I, I think, first of all, it's very impressive. But second of all, it's something that a lot of young people in this industry can, can learn from. It's something that for that matter, I I had a feeling you were doing was trying to learn myself while, while working at channel seven. It's a similar, similar type of thing to, to know, okay, I'm not getting to do the on-camera reps here, but here's what I can learn from being behind the scenes and then Uh apply that in sort of extra practice later on. Let me also say uh, circling around on your Larry Bluestein story. I'm glad to know Larry's actually doing a little bit better, um, he was having another health scare and we love Larry Bluestein here, did some, some, uh, work with him on under the lights. So just wanted to say a shout out to blue. Um, all this said as a Miami guy, do you have a favorite childhood sports memory down here? Maybe a favorite game that you attended something that sticks out as, is? Hey, this is a moment.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a couple and they tend to revolve around the hurricanes. Cause we with yeah. big hurricane games. My parents have been like, um, season ticket older since like the eighties. Uh, the game against the Gators, a big comeback in the Orange Bowl. I think it was 0- 0- 5 0- 4 I can't remember. Um, but basically, Devin Hester is lined up to return a kick, and my dad goes, who's number four? And I pull the binoculars out, and I go, Henter, Hepter? I can't <laughs> read the name. And then he proceeds to take that kick all the way to the house, and no one ever forgot his name after that. Um, and so me and my dad were like going nuts. and then when he returned the kick in the Super Bowl here, it, we almost had that moment again because me and him are sitting next to each other on the couch, and he returns it. And we're like, no way, he's doing this again. And uh, we start jumping up and down and we're like holding each other. like oh That's my incredible. God. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, that uh, the, I don't know why that memory kind of just always stuck out in my head.
0: That's amazing. Well, it's getting to share it with your family too. Like that's that's what's so cool is is all these sort of uh, childhood sports memories are the things that bond us to the people that we were with. I my very specific memories of watching things like during the Big 3 era wrap me with my friends and growing up, you know, the 03 Marlins obviously remind me very specifically of watching those games with my dad. So it's it's a kind of similar feeling.
1: The 03 Marlins had another good one too. This yeah. is my this is my mom's doing cause she's a big sports fan too. She might be the biggest sports fan in the house, but for the Marlins, when they went to the world series, we show up to the dinner table, you know, the day after they clinch whatever. And, um, she's like, all right, uh, time for dinner. We all go to the dinner table. we all pull out our chairs. And there are these shirts that were like bundled up on the thing on the chair. And we unravel them and it says Marlins 2003 world series. And she goes, guys, we're going to the game tomorrow. And no. so that was, that was just like a really cool, you know she was always on top of getting tickets like that's awesome like we don't we don't end up at any sporting event without, without her doing <laughs> that stuff so
0: well shout out to mom uh and it, for me i'm jealous i never went to a world series game during that stretch i went to the Giants series i went to the cub series i never i didn't go to a Giant world series, series
1: Giants series pretty awesome though. yeah
0: they, i was at I, I was at both uh the the pudge walk off down the line like the the base hit down the line in game three. I guess three, and then the Conine throw in game four. Because oh, it was I mean, game four to clinch, right? I mean,
1: game five, I think. Was it I game five? It
0: Did it go five? Best of, best of five? Right? I just, I'm trying to remember if it went either way. Either way, it it was. uh, (laughs) Either way, being there for the the, uh, This is the type of stuff that we could probably just debate and, and talk about all day long. But okay, so so we just mentioned that that all of the the sports stuff can sort of start to wear off as you get into the business and get more comfortable. But I do wonder when you first came back down here and you start covering the teams that that you grew up watching. Was there a first sort of pinch me moment like oh my god i cannot believe i'm around these people doing this thing right now and if so what was it
1: this is gonna sound so dumb no i love um, it i can't because, wait because uh you know we covered the big three but we had the big three had hadn't happened until um i was like i think a year in and um we were at it was like my first dolphins camp Practice like training camp, and back in the day, it's not how it is now because of COVID, where they, you know, hand select players to come mm-hmm. and talk. The players come off the field, and you could just kind of go and grab somebody. And our photographer at TVJ was like, "Oh, go get him!" And I think it was Carlos Dansby. And I'm sitting there interviewing him, and I'm like shaking. Yeah. Right. And he like he like looks at me, and he's like he's like, "Hey, man, like lock it up." Like, <laughs> Like come on, we're no here to an interview. What need you do, like shaking all the time? And like I, I'll never forget that. Just being like, oh my god, oh yeah. my god, and whole play, right. So, um, yeah. And the big three. I mean, I, I as a producer, I get to be in the locker room for like those celebrations with Joe Rose, trying to like navigate with him through live shots, and I mean that is just I like I don't know if that'll be topped. Like doing that year in and year out was just insane
0: well and to be able to do that so early in your career right like to be around this epic dynasty so early on and to to, to yeah yeah, to be able to sort of stick with those memories and experiences and allow it to sort of dictate where your career goes from there is is pretty cool i uh yeah I, i i can relate to the Being around people that that now it seems so silly to have been nervous, but yeah, like the first time standing and interviewing a even a special team like a like a punter, arm shaking, like oh my god, I'm here with these people, (laughs) and and not even sometimes not even about the athlete as much as I was like oh my god. It's all these people I've watched on TV for my whole right. life, right? Like right. I'm standing in this circle with them. If I ask a question and it's dumb, they're going to think I'm dumb. Like that's what's going through your head. And it's, of course, that's not what's happening. Everybody's no. just there doing their job. But that's what's going through your head when you're first starting, especially. And this is something I guess you and I can both relate to when you're starting in your hometown market. So right. it, it's something that's a specific dynamic.
1: It's a little nerve wracking because you're like, oh, if it's a dumb question, you're not worried about like the general public being like that a dumb question it's your group chat going (laughs) bro what was that yeah
0: exactly exactly especially during like uh during live post game press conferences after like a dolphin game or something where you know everybody not just that that you know that you work with but also all of your friends are are watching and so if they hear your voice you can get uh you can certainly get razzed for it um all right let's start talking about these teams real quick um, the Miami Heat will start there. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, as we're speaking, this is Thursday morning. They've lost last night to the Phoenix Suns without Jimmy Butler. Um, but really, the, the story of the week has been the return of Victor Oladipo. Yeah. Um, I want to know what you've seen from him in these first couple of games. And obviously, this is instant reaction that yeah. excites you. Um, but more, what do you think long term this season that his addition can do for this team that was already playing at such a high level
1: so I, the first thing I jumped off the screen that was the first couple of games is the explosiveness he actually came back with. It, it seemed like there was a level of no fear, considering he missed a you know missed a year he just was ready to go so you, you think sometimes maybe there's a hesitancy, and I kind of have not seen that whatsoever with him, which I think is which I think is really, really good and real big positive. Now, Victor Oladipo, he's been an all-star. I don't know if Miami necessarily needs him to be an all-star, again, considering the, the injuries and stuff. But if he gets back to that level, you know, more power to him, and that's even better for the Miami Heat. But they just need him to be healthy and to play the defense that, that they know he can play because that defense is going to come in handy, maybe not necessarily now in the regular season when things are a little bit more fluid up and down the court. But in the playoffs, I, I think it'll just add a, a layer of depth just in case someone else goes out. Um, and then if, if he can, you know, if his scoring, you know, follows that defense as well, you know, if one translates to the next, great. So I, I just think, I just think with him just being healthy and being the defender that he brought him here to be, I, I think that's going to go a, a long way. I don't think he has to you know, be Tyler Hero out there. He doesn't have to be going out there getting the 15 to 20 points. If he's out there getting you 10, 15 points and locking down someone on defense and picking up a couple charges a game, then this whole experiment was worth it.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, and especially like in a couple of the things you said there, it's like he doesn't need to be Tyler Hero. You'll need in the playoffs one Victor Oladipo game probably, right? Somewhere along the way where he's dropping 23 points on 12 shots and all of a sudden it's like, all right, Cool. There was there was the victor game. But if he can step up defensively and there was man, there is something about, you know, watching the game last night. And when you when you see Hero and Lowry and Oladipo on the floor at the same time and it is just there's something about seeing his. I think it it has to do something to the other team there as well, where, you know, this guy is what he's capable of. And like you mentioned, to see him without fear sort of attacking the basket and playing with that level of athleticism, I thought that the the mental side of it would be the biggest hurdle, right? Like being willing to try to explode with this leg that, you know, you were describing was really, really painful. And was this long rehab process multiple different times. So to see him playing so aggressively is certainly exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think when, I don't know, I guess it's just maybe pent up frustration, you know, mm-hmm. just not being able to be on the court. So he's like, I'm, I'm just going. Like <laughs> yeah. what, At this point, what do I have to lose? I've been hurt right. for the last two minutes. Like, let's just go. Um, I've been rehabbing for this moment. You know, professional athletes are built different. Some mentally are even built different. And maybe that's just how he got from the rehab to these last two games where you're mm-hmm. seeing him, you know, in the lane. That I, that to me was like in the lane trying to get stuff. I didn't think I was going to see that. I thought it was going to be a jump shooting. Endeavor, and it has not been.
0: And the fact that he's doing that and he's already so aggressive, drawing charges on defense, like sir, his first play back on the yeah. floor was drawing a charge like it was literally the the second total possession, the first defensive possession. He's out there drawing a charge, which was so symbolic of all of it. But let's move on to the Florida Panthers um, again. We're recording this on Thursday morning, so they will have played at home on Thursday night against the Flyers. We will not have reaction to that. But this is more of a a general conversation.
1: They won the game. They won the game. Yeah, sure. They they won. won. Yeah, they won
0: (laughs) Uh, 6-2. I'm just, yeah. I hope that, oh, God, I hope that age is right. That's such a clippable Uh, moment, too. (laughs) Oh, God, I hope. Yeah, exactly. That's all I'm thinking. Uh, So they they had lost three straight. Everybody seemed to, you know, be running around with their hair on fire. And then, of course, now they've rebounded winning four straight um, at the time of this recording. So what, Or who on this Panthers team, so what being a unit or who being an individual player, makes you most optimistic come playoff time that this team will overcome the hurdle that they've been up against the last number of years and actually, you know, make a deep playoff run.
1: Do you remember when they were about to be eliminated from the Lightning last Mm -hmm. year and they kept showing Jonathan Huberdeau on the bench, like emotional? I do. That is what lets me, leads me to believe they're going to get past the first round, at least. Because I, I think the way... Let's just start with... Him. We're going to talk about the the what and the who. It might be him. Just the way he's played all year to go from... We all understand that Alexander Barkov is the best player on this team. But I don't know if he's the best player on the ice every single night. Because the way John Huberto has, has has been playing. And that's no knock on Barkov. Huberto is just raised his game to another level this year when you see um let's just for argument's sake call him your second best player as as an mvp candidate like that is that is wild and when you are getting that kind of production and depth along i mean look i look at ekblad Norse trophy uh possible candidate uh hard trophy for puberto possible candidate Calder Trophy candidate, possibly, it's like you're going yeah. down the list and all of a sudden there's like a Panther checked off on every single major award. So that that to me is just telling me that everyone understood the opportunity they had last year, how good they were last year, and they just ran into a buzzsaw on the Lightning, whoever won that series, maybe goes on to win the Cup and obviously the Lightning did. I, I just think that's it. I just think they know they are they are uber talented. Um, and I think defensively, we've seen a couple games games um, where the defense hasn't been there in front of Bob and some of these goals get let in. And if Bob's going to be up and down, the defense needs to be better. I just go back to the Ottawa game where they gave up 18 shots. That's where that defense needs to be. They need to be like in the 25 shot range. If they're just allowing 25 shots to get through, I think Bobrovsky can handle that in the playoffs and that's and that's what you need. And I think that defense has the potential to be really good between, you know, Weger and and Ekblad and all these other guys. I, I think, I know that was a lot for what you were asking. No, this I is good. Know. This I mean, is that, all the analysis team, I'm looking for. That team is just so loaded up and down that I, I just think they have the ability and the capability. And then you listen to them after games. I think there, there's a little bit of humility there too. I really mm-hmm. try to rhyme all that. Um, because you hear them talk about, hey, we're starting to get confident on the road. I mean you're starting a confident on the road, brother. You, you guys are the best yep. team in the league. Yep. Uh so yeah, it's you know, I think they they kind of take things step by step, which I think is good. I, and they had to considering what happened at the beginning of the year uh with Q like th- everyone needed to pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. So
0: It's so impressive the way that they've sort of been able to maintain that that level headedness this entire time. Like, you know, we talk about like a perfect example would be Duncan Robinson in basketball who talks about like you can't get too high. You can't get too low as a shooter because, you know, eventually things are going to even out. The Panthers, despite having the season where they've basically blitzed through the entire thing and all of it has been positive, except for a couple of hiccups here and there, namely, obviously, at the beginning of the season, losing your head coach, which is a, a more than just a hiccup. But it, this team's ability to sort of persevere through all of it and continue to thrive, and yet, like you said, be like, yeah, you know, finally, we're feeling comfortable on the road. This is the best team in hockey. And, and Jonathan Huberdeau, as you mentioned, you know, all these guys came into this season and every single soundbite you heard was basically, we're going to learn from last year. We're going to learn from last year and we're going to move forward. And they felt like one of those teams that we've seen in the history of sports that gets beaten down and beaten down and beaten down and that eventually is ready for their moment. We felt like that's coming all year. And to see, like you said, a guy like Huberto playing so well that you can question whether or not he's the best player on this team. I mean, when you have stars like that, that are that great, Playoffs are the time that they shine, so I'm excited to see this run. I, I, I know you are as well, Mike. Um, it, yeah. it should be fun.
1: I, I glad. We interviewed Ekblad a couple of weeks ago, and, and he mentioned um, that like chemistry and a year, another year together goes so far in the NHL. And I often think back to the NBA and to what you said, like just breaking through. Um, you look at the 2006 Heat team; like they had to go through those bumps against the Pistons before they learned really how to win. Exactly, and exactly. so they. I think the Panthers have finally figured out how to truly win—not just be a good team, but be a very good team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the entire thing in sports, and and this team has a tremendous chemistry that that you see them on and off the ice. Like these guys really seem to like each other. Um, last sports thing we'll do here before we play a p- quick game and let you go. Um, I want to talk about football. I want to talk about the Miami Dolphins. Um, I do want to get into the Finns, but but first uh you were at the nfl combine so just wondering if you had a, a moment out there or anything that stood out whether that's dolphins related or otherwise uh that you'd like to share from the nfl combine
1: uh the amount of access you get to players and coaches just walking around i think my biggest piece of advice to any um up-and-coming aspiring journalist is just get to the combine just really? go see the event yeah if you oh. if you can yeah it's it's it, it's incredible I, it's like a relaxed version of the NFL. I don't think we typically see very often because hmm. uh, the league can be a little buttoned up, but it was, it it was really an awesome experience, but, but look, just going out there and I guess meeting some of these guys at like a younger age and seeing, and to me, I've seen so many guys come through leagues and now I feel old because now I see their kids <laughs> coming up through high school and college right. and stuff. So to me, it's kind of fun to see, to see them, at, you know, almost as, NFL babies um getting to talk to them and going seeing how their heads are spinning like a million miles a minute because some of them might be first round draft picks some of them are stressing out because they don't know if they'll be drafted at all so all these guys are just working so so hard and trying to you know give off their best first impression to these teams it was it was kind of a different way to see football players uh, for a couple days.
0: Imagine going to like an internship fair in college, except uh-huh. when you were doing all of your introductions to all of the people for the internship fair, you then had to go speak to the media about right. what those introductions no were like, like yeah. how nervous you would be. I can't even think about it. It's just a giant job fair at the end of the day.
1: Right. And by the way, <laughs> millions of dollars could be on the line. So oh, totally. You know, no, they no, are. No, like, if, no pressure. If everybody,
0: if it leaks that that you did poorly on this wonderlick test, then yeah. it could cost Cost oh, millions God. of dollars, and that's just one thing. One handshake, one conversation goes the wrong way. You sit in front of the wrong GM. It's and so wild. Team,
1: and that could be a team trying to get you. You yeah. know, teams leaking stuff out because they want they want you. But that, you know, they're costing uh, you you know a couple hundred grand here and there.
0: Yeah, it's a really crazy process when when you think about it. it, it, it the stakes that go with just this giant job fair, but that's pretty cool. Okay, so um, one of the things that I loved most that I saw out of the combine was Mike McDaniel's presser. Um, I I'm all in, man. I I I love this guy. I I think that Mike McDaniel is is just fascinating. Um, and and for those who haven't uh, watched his full interview on the Pat McAfee show yet, it's it's amazing. Um, I, I just think that that he's fascinating, and the way he approaches the game is really interesting. So, wondering through through what you've seen so far, the conversations that you've had with Mike McDaniel, what's your either favorite attribute or an attribute about Mike McDaniel that stands out to you, that, that makes him either different or, or you believe will will help make him successful as a head coach.
1: It seems like with some of these like high IQ guys, like the personality doesn't always match. And I, I, you know, he's just, I don't know. It just seems like those two things are on the same level. Um, So that's something I look at that at least it'll be, you know, interesting and fun to cover him because I think we'll get a lot more insight into things that the dolphins are thinking and doing. And so we might get a little change of pace when it comes to covering them. Right. Um, so that to me, I'm just, I, and like something we asked him at the combine about, you know, versatility and all this stuff with players is like, Hey, if there's a, if this guy shows a skill that no one else has why not take him because then we can utilize that skill in different ways and so just that openness to it uh you know approaching new players free agents uh draft picks i just want to see how it all comes together
0: i think one of the biggest things in coaching and and as the average age of all of these leagues continues to get younger and younger and younger right like uh, leagues in, in particularly the nfl Continues to cycle through players really quickly. So you're basically getting guys through one coaching cycle, through one contract, no differently than you get them for four years at a, at a university. And I think one of the most important things in coaching is teaching. And I think that sometimes there's this weird expectation for from these head coaches that all these guys are like immediately going to be perfect professionals by the time they've come around or that their assistants will just make that happen within the span of a year. And the thing that I've I've seen that you just mentioned is like his willingness to take a guy and want to just accentuate his best skill as opposed to look at what he doesn't do well and view it as a weakness. Like just even the way he talks about Tua, it makes it obvious like, oh, he knows that this guy is incredibly accurate. So now let's build an offense to accentuate his best attributes like his accuracy and i just think that that's something that's super cool go figure right yeah right but it, (laughs) it seems like the most simple process and yet how often do we hear that type of rhetoric from coaches like we 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 don't we hear like i know what i'm doing and if everybody just follows my instructions then we'll be fine not I have this plan and now let me adjust my plan to the personnel that I have is simple. It sounds, it sounds really simple and it sounds like what any professional workplace should do. And yet oftentimes I think we would all say in our own work environment sometimes that that's not how it always goes down.
1: No. Yeah. I think like the, the old stubborn ways of coaching and teaching to your point are probably going to go away, especially when I think you look at what the Rams did and they just threw conventional wisdom out the door with every with draft picks, with free agency, with quarterbacks, um, this I think this young maybe frat pack, if you will, yeah. kind of age. I love or, that of NFL frat pack. Like I, I mean, they're all like my age. Um that's so funny. So like that's that's what bugs me. I'm like, I do not have the intelligence to to do all this. And you guys, these guys gotta, are crazy. Yeah. So so yeah, I think I think it's just kind of a new age and it's kind of fun to see that the dolphins maybe recognize that and went, Hey, if this is the way the league's going, let's let's maybe go in that direction as well and mm-hmm. get one of these guys. And maybe it was the last remaining guy out yeah. there too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, right. I'm, I'm hoping they hit a home run with this guy because it'll be a lot of fun to cover the dolphins if they're winning. Right. I mean, it would, <laughs> it, a would long be, time coming.
0: it would be, it would certainly be fun. Uh, you know, It's cool. I it was Wes Goldberg brought it up to me on on his podcast actually, where he was like, "There's a shot that if this works, and with where you know the Marlins' trajectory has been sort of headed upward with these prospects and bringing guys in this offseason, that theoretically Miami could be a place here for three, four, five years where like every team is competing." to go to the playoffs, to go to championships when you see where the Heat and Panthers are already at. So it would certainly be good for our business if that was the case. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot
1: more busy, Like a lot busy. You see all these gray hairs, there'd be a little, little yeah. more coming in. But uh, <laughs> it's
0: all worth it. Well worth it. Well worth it. Why do you think I have this hat on? It's so people don't see what's going to be for me right <laughs> now. What you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to play a quick game um, yep. to end this and and then I'll let you go. Um, it's called layup or Airball. Essentially, I will say a statement If you agree with it it's a layup if you disagree with it airball all right so first statement cuban coffee or bust layup or airball 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 why you don't you can give an explanation if you'd like to but you don't have to that's where i'll leave you with these i
1: i i really like coffee and i just to me it's the act of sitting down and like enjoying like a giant like the cuban coffee is great nothing against it it's a nice jolt but I like to. This is my. This is me co- cozying up with a book. You know. I got like, you.
0: I got yeah. you. Uh, you've alienated half of your fan base, but I got I've, you. I've
1: said croquetas are overrated once, so I've already an alienated. Oh my
0: god! Well, <laughs> whoever you didn't already alienate, has gone now. Uh, all right. Imagine Dragons makes good music. Layup or airball? <laughs> airball. <laughs> airball. Yeah. yeah. I. I will say, and this is part of the reason included. Not as bad as everyone says. Not mm-hmm. great music, but not as bad as everyone says. We've made them into yeah. Nickelback, and they're not Nickelback. That's all I'm saying. And also, <laughs> also Nickelback isn't that bad. They're bad, but they're it, they're like overplayed, and they're a meme now. They're a, right. no, hold on, hold on, hold on. They're a meme. They're bad, but do they not bring you some nostalgia? All right, that's no. all I'm saying. They
1: don't bring no, you nostalgia I, to 2006 when everybody name. sang horribly like that. I, I can't even name. An Imagine Dragons song. No, not I Imagine
0: Dragons. I'm talking about Nickelback now.
1: Oh, Nickelback. Oh, yeah. oh well, yeah. But like, but like funny nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like funny nostalgia. Yeah, sure. that's all
0: I'm saying. That's right, we have right. to, We've already turned them into a meme. So now that we've turned them into the meme, everybody's got to get over it. Now it's not cool to hate. That's all I'm saying. I'm trying By to way, get whoever, on that second wave of Nickelback.
1: Who was the guy who made the Imagine Dragons meme about them being bad? Because that just that took off and that was just really unfair to them.
0: That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying I I feel for them and I don't think they deserve to be as hated as they are, despite the fact that they've been every single ESPN commercial for the last like seven years. And that's part of the overplayed element. Okay, running is fun. Layup or airball?
1: Uh, layup. Layup. Oh, you're a runner. I used to be. Okay. I used to be. I have, I have like really bad knees now, but I used to. I used to be a runner, like in high school and stuff. And we would do like we would do crazy stuff, like hundred mile weeks and oh all this God. stuff. I was like real thin. Um. Yeah. Running. Running can be fun.
0: Yeah. I disagree completely, wholeheartedly. All right. Uh. <laughs> glad we have that one. The office is overrated. Layup or airball? Airball. Airball. I it agree. is
1: perfectly rated. Great. Job. It is not for everybody but it's perfectly rated.
0: Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, on, the, on the Pantheon. Uh, and then this is the, you know, easiest question. Obvious yes or no answer. LeBron is better than Jordan. No. Airball. All right. Airball. <laughs> just, Airball. I liked that it. it had, it was so serious.
1: Just, that n- landed no. No.
0: <laughs> no. He's up <laughs> there.
1: Okay. Top two or three all time. But
0: uh... when you say top two or three, who, <sighs> who makes
1: it three? All right, calm down, Stephen. A. Let's, if you really want to do I really want to hear is, it. Man, I want to hear it. I, that's why
0: I never do any sports debate anything. This is the most sports well, debatey this show has ever gone.
1: If it's two or three, it's, it's, it's Michael and LeBron and then insert three for, you know, whatever you, you want it to be Kobe or, or Shaq, um, whoever. But I, you cannot deny that LeBron is in the top three. Like yeah. if you're, right, if you're having these debates every day then uh, you've just run out of things to talk about. Because there's, without a doubt, I mean, he's built like an alien. Like, we haven't never seen someone like that on the basketball floor. And doing it for that long, too. Because, I mean, it feels like he's almost 40.
0: Yeah, when you say we've run out of things to talk about, yeah, that's why it was the fifth question. <laughs> I had ran out of things to ask you, Mike Cuno from CBS4 yeah. and uh CBS Sports HQ on occasion as well. Uh, anything that that you would like to plug or mention before uh we wrap up here?
1: Um, no, you mentioned The Office, but I feel like I feel like Scrubs doesn't get enough love on like these podcasts when people talk okay. about shows. That's actually why I named my dog after Rowdy, it's a dead dog in Scrubs. So I <laughs> Uh, a shout-out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We
0: had to make sure we got the scrub shout-out in. I'm glad that's what you plugged. Everybody go watch Scrubs. Uh, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Miami Miked Up. If you were listening on Friday, uh the Heat play the Cavaliers tonight on Bally Sports on, you can tune in at 7:30. For the Heat Live pregame show and enjoy all sorts of Florida Panthers hockey and Miami Heat basketball over the next couple of weeks as these seasons wind to an end on Bally Sports Florida and Sun. Mike Cunio, thank you very much for joining this episode of Miami mic Up. And very pleased to welcome back to another episode of Miami Miked Up, the coach himself, Tony Fiorentino. Coach Tony, it's uh, wonderful to have you back here uh, on another episode of Miami Mic'd Up. Thanks for taking the time to join me.
2: Anytime, Jeremy. It's fun.
0: Well, so let's get right into the basketball then. Uh, with the Heat, they've won seven of their last nine. Uh, we've seen Bam continue to emerge as a presence offensively. Caleb Martin went down last night, but it does seem to be better news on that uh, than worse news. He's listed as questionable for the Heat's next game. But the talk of the town, and I had a conversation with Mike Cunio earlier on in this episode of Miami mike would Up about him. The talk of the town has been Victor Oladipo and the addition that he is to the Miami Heat, the addition we've been waiting to see all season long. So I'll ask you, Coach, what can he do specifically to help elevate this team that was already playing so well? And is there any player in Heat history who he particularly reminds you of?
2: Well, first of all, Victor Oladipo was a two-time All-Star before he got hurt, when he hurt his knee originally about three years ago. And he was first-team All-NBA defense. People forget about that. He was a lockdown defender. Now, maybe a lot of that was because he stole a lot of passes, like Dwayne Wade. He played the passing lane, got great instincts that way. But he's a guy offensively. In the NBA, you, got, you need guys today. We always needed guys who can break guys down getting to the rim. And then the three-point shooting is important today. And the way you set up the threes is to get guys, breaking guys down into the lane like Jimmy Butler does, and then setting up the three-point shots like Hero does. So is another guy that can break his man down. He likes to go right a lot, but it's very difficult to keep him from doing that. He's very athletic. I thought the telltale sign the first game back was the dunk because I had serious knee surgery when I was in college. All right. I have I, I last 10 years, 12 years. I had, ser- I had total knee replacement from years later. And so when I first came back to play basketball, I had a big knee brace and I was hesitant to go off my left leg with the right hand because my left knee wasn't as stable as I thought it would be. With all the with, with, with it was interesting to me that the most important thing he did that night was he, he came off a screen. He did a little dip with his left shoulder, set the guy up and then went around him and dunked the ball. All right. The little hesitation dribble. To me, that was a great sign because that means he's confident in his in his leg and the Heat are confident in him. And I say this all the time. He'd have a kind of a high school approach to injuries, which is a compliment in that when they feel the guy's ready, they wait a little longer just to be sure. Okay, they never rush a guy back. And some that's not true about every professional team in all sports. When they're not, when when they, when he's ready, when they're when that guy's ready, they wait another game, another practice, another day, and then they bring him back. And it's always great to be late rather than early, because then you don't uh, run the risk of guy getting hurt too soon.
0: Well, and especially a guy like Victor Oladipo, who now has been through injuries multiple times here with with these knee issues, and a guy who you know, so clearly needed to kind of rehab and get himself back here. It's obvious when, and you've seen it at the games, his energy on the bench has been a, of a guy who has been so ready to get back on the floor all season long and has been so prepared for this moment. And it's so cool to see how excited all of his teammates are for him, like when he had that first dunk, how excited the bench was for him. Because like you said, it, it's been three years now of going through these injuries and, and the mental toll that that will take on you on, on top of the physical is, is something to, to behold. So I think it's really impressive the way he's been able to come back and already contribute.
2: He came to camp to speak to the kids. Very impressive. First time I met him. Very um, classy. Very confident. And when people asked him a question, he thought for a few moments before he answered. Very introspective, very bright guy. And I said to the kids, I said, Victor came here to win a championship with the Heat. And he corrected me. He said, I came here to win more than one. So you got to like the confidence. He had, a, he had a big brace on his right knee back in July you know, back in June and July. So it was it was a great moment for me to have, you know, first time I met him, obviously I, I had announced games when he was in them and he beat us one night, beating Dwayne Wade off the dribble when he was in Orlando, where the game was tied and he got to the foul line and won the game. So it was great to finally meet him and to see him as the person that he really is. So... It was really cool, and I'm happy for him.
0: You mentioned this guy already, Tyler Hero. Just last night, he had a seven-game, 20-point streak snapped. He's just less than one point behind Jimmy Butler for leading this team in points per game. So what about Tyler Hero's game have you seen take the biggest turn from year two to year three?
2: To me, the most impressive thing about Tyler was two things. He really built up his body. Now, between his first and second year, there was no preseason. You remember we had the lockout that went way into the fall and then the season started maybe six weeks later, whatever it was, there was very little time for the Heat and the Lakers to get a little rest, regroup, and then start the next season. Tyler needed that. he Heat have, I mean, in my opinion, he'd have the best offseason program in the NBA. I was part of it for four years. I know what they do. I know how hard they work on the fundamentals not only that, but they, they meet with each player. They go over with it pragmatically what you do well, what you don't do well, and here's the drills that we're going to do to make you better. And Tyler didn't have that between one and two, years one and two. He had it between years two and three, and he came back 10 pounds stronger. We, we've seen that chronicled but not enough. But the one thing that I think that's really impressed me about Tyler is that he is making great decisions it's obvious he can get people, he can go where he wants with the ball. So his ball handling has improved. It was a little careless last year. His ball handling has improved. It's still got to get a little better in the open court, but taking guys off the dribble in the half court and making decisions. Not only does he recognize guys who are open or going to be open, but then he delivers the pass. So he's making very, very good decisions as a third year, 22 year old player that you don't expect a guy to do He's shown a lot of maturity to his game where he's not really forcing bad shots. He's he's getting into the lanes, dishing it off the guys who are open. So once in a while, he'll take a shot that maybe you'll question. But you got to live with that because he, he makes those shots. And so to me, that's the biggest improvement that he's made, recognizing where the assist is and then delivering it.
0: What's been so impressive is that th- this kid proverbially, right? Like he is twenty two years old, and he's only in year three. And in some ways, it's like year two and a half. like you said, like there was barely an off season after that <laughs> that bubble. And yeah, I've made this point about a number of guys in this market. it It reminds me, with Tyler, of like of Tagovailoa, with the Dolphins, right? Where you had this young quarterback who, due to the pandemic, didn't get the same in-between off-season training regimen to be able to take those steps. So now, with a player as talented as Tyler Hero, you see the way that he came back from this off-season. And, and what's really impressive is the way that it seems like his game has continued to improve and continued to evolve. And he's added things to his game Throughout the regular season, and that's what shows you truly what a talented player that Tyler Hero is, and just how good he can be. I'm gonna I'm gonna now take a step toward reflection a little bit with you. Uh, Duncan Robinson recently moved into second all time in three pointers made in Miami Heat franchise history, so he's now behind Tim Hardaway. But he passed Eddie Jones. And I was wondering if you had any favorite Eddie Jones stories. We'll use this as a forum to sort of start emptying the clip on on some of these stories. So do you have anything with with Eddie Jones?
2: Well, the main thing I remember about Eddie is, first of all, before Dwayne Wade came, the four years before Dwayne was a rookie, Eddie Jones led the team in scoring for four straight years. All right. And he was a two way player. I know one year Dwayne Wade made second team all NBA defense. I love Dwayne Wade, but in my opinion, Eddie Jones was a better defender. Dwayne Wade was great playing the passing lane, getting steals, and locked down when the game was on the line. Eddie Jones was a two-way player. He guarded the best perimeter player, whether it was a two-guard or a small forward, Six-five, you know, pretty good size. And Eddie could, could really get after people defensively and lock them down. And then offensively, obviously he had, he wasn't a three, really a three point shooter per se. He, he, that was part of his arsenal. He could get to the rim, very good in the open court, very good mid range shooter, very good driving to the basket with either hand. Eddie Jones was a very good player for the Miami heat in some of the lean years before Dwayne Wade Shaq, uh, get together. Okay. in those early nineties. And, um, Boy, I mean, in the early 2000s and really, really did a great job. Late 90s, early 2000s for, for Eddie Jones. And um, I've met him a few times on the golf course. Really cool guy. Really good guy. <laughs> well, it's, you He's know, a pretty good golfer. It, it, <laughs> it,
0: yeah. Well, it's always fun hearing the stories of, of- – Any of those guys, like you mentioned, that kind of sometimes in those in-between years where we reflect so specifically on the very beginning and then 06 and then the big three era. And we have to remember some of the players who were crucial to franchise history who are existing in some of those years that were a little more up and down. But all right, now now going ahead and, and looking forward for the Miami Heat. They have four more games left on this homestand, a ton of home games through the rest of the year, which is obviously good news for Miami. It's the Cavs and the Minnesota Timberwolves on back-to-back nights on Friday and Saturday night, and then the Detroit Pistons and Oklahoma City Thunder. Your expectations here on the rest of this homestand is the Heat have four more games to go. Do they need to go undefeated? Does the back-to-back sort of play into things here? Is there there chasing this one seed? Do you anticipate a a, a 4-0 stretch here from Miami, or... You know, is is a loss here possibly, possibly acceptable?
2: As you know, I'm a former coach. So the only thing I deal with is the next game. All right. And it's great to be home. All right. But all I know is Eric Spolster's got like 100 great characteristics. Every coach has their idiosyncrasies, characteristics, strong points, things they need to improve on. All I know is in the 14 years that, that Coach Spolster has been the coach, One of the characteristics I love about his team is that when they feel they've been embarrassed, when they don't play well, when they couldn't do it, you know, last night was a bad night for the Heat because Phoenix played at their best and the Heat didn't play well. Phoenix had revenge on their mind because the Heat beat them by 23 in Phoenix and they didn't come out playing well. I guarantee you Coach Post is going to go over some of the tape with them, show them where there wasn't the same energy and the same resolve, and His teams usually respond in the next game. And so the next game is on Friday night um, against Cleveland, a team that's beaten the Heat twice already. That's one of the biggest teams in the league, although they got one of their main players out. They're going to be a tough good. Garland has been unbelievable. He's really emerged as one of the really, really good guards in the NBA. That man can really play. I can see him maybe as a future MVP of the league. That's how good he is. And he reminds me, he's a little like Jay Morant, maybe not as athletic, but as effective, like John Morant. And so Friday night, to me, is a, a, a you're going to see right from the beginning how focused the team's going to be. People don't realize how intense Coach Spolstra is. They see this young guy, looks like he has an age on the sideline. He's very cool during the games, never shows much emotion. But let me tell you something, that man hates to lose and usually the team will reflect the same attitude that the coach has the same demeanor that the coach has those guys are going to be ready to play tomorrow night especially losing twice to cleveland and then get and then feeling a little embarrassed by the way they played against uh uh, Phoenix.
0: There's a reason why uh, Coach Spo is always saying for competitors only because he is he is the ultimate. Like like you said, the uh, the reputation is there with some of the players on the team for being intense. But we we know Spoelstra can be as intense as anyone when it comes to winning. Uh, Tony Fiorentino, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. For for those who who. Have been listening so far, uh, just so you know, and a reminder, Coach Tony will be on this show every other week through the rest of the Heat season and into the postseason. We've just made that deal before we started this recording. So he'll be back on here sharing some Heat stories and some Heat analysis with us as well. Tony Ferentino, thank you again for spending some time with me on Miami mic Up. And before we finish up, feel free to plug anything that you got coming up.
2: I'm looking forward to it, Jeremy. Just let me mention, we got a Heat basketball camp coming up, the spring camp, March 22nd. To the 24 three nights at slam high school near near uh marlins park from uh 9 to 3 30 and uh it's for ages 7 to uh, 16 boys and girls you can sign up at juniorheat.com we have a great time at camp it, it's really a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it
0: i love those camps Thanks, I, will en- I will endorse those camps uh they are they're as good as it gets it's high quality and when tony fiorentino is involved you know it will be a lot of fun Tony, thank you so much once again for joining me on this episode. Everybody go register for Heat Camp, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon, Coach. Everybody watch the Miami Heat basketball game tonight, starting with coverage at 7.30 on Bally Sports Sun. Heat and Cavs should be a good one. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami mic Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or Toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.